0: Welcome to Making Conversations, a podcast from makers Gemma Millen and Robin Galway.
1: Today we are making conversations with Craft and I director Catherine McDonald and Craft and I gallery manager and silversmith Lotus DeWitt as part of the ACJ SNI Pinned Exhibition collaboration.
0: Welcome to episode two of this mini series collaboration with ACJ SNI, which coincides with the debut exhibition Pinned. Today we are speaking with Craft & I Gallery Manager and ACJSNI member, Lotus Duet and Craft and & Eye Director Catherine MacDonald. So Catherine, could you tell us Craft & I's role in the delivery of ACJSNI's exhibition pinned?
2: Hi Robin, yes, delighted to be involved in the podcast today. Um, and we were really pleased when ACJSNI approached us to see if exhibition space was available for an exhibition. It was a really good experience for us. We really enjoyed our role in getting the exhibition up and visible for people to see so the good things about it were that ACJS and I was quite a coherent group anyway and had a quite a clear idea of what I wanted to achieve from the exhibition so in that sense a lot of the work had been done already um, by the members so when you guys submitted the proposal it went as all exhibitions do past our quality group um because you had already nominated a curator and I had a really clear sense of what the theme would be and what the objectives were, and quite a clear kind of, you know, not directive, but a sort of a framework for the people who wanted to participate. The quality group were really pleased with that. So, from that sense, you had done such a lot of hard work in the preparation of it. It was, you made it really easy for us. So, we were really pleased when you approached us with it. And then from then on, really, we just tried our best to facilitate really what you guys needed the space it's not as you know it's not the biggest space in terms of exhibitions but actually that was fine i think for pins you didn't need sort of massive amounts of space and the good thing that we did have was a big picture window which gave a lot of visibility and i was disappointed for you all that we were in the middle of lockdown for some of it you know it was such a pity but you adapted so well to that really with the film and what you're doing now with podcasts. to just kind of you know to keep Drawing people back to the film and to keep showing the work, and I think probably for lots of exhibitions going forward, even when COVID is over, there'll be still will be a lot of that. Really, you know, the, the footprint of an exhibition on the internet, really, for people to see long after it's physically come down. So that was a great thing to see how you just had to kind of adapt to the really difficult circumstances that we going up in. But we did have good footfall through it as well, and I know that you already kind of saw a little bit of a write-up. But for the purposes of the records. Do you mind if I read out some of the comments from the book of people who had been through it? Because there were there were such great comments, and you know, this is really all you need to hear. People just jotted down their thoughts as they've been around it. You know, here's just a couple amazing talents and um, things that are going through. Very unique, amazing to see such local talents. Great talent, so well presented. Amazing space, so therapeutic to walk around. You know, it's great to hear that direct feedback from people how much they like to see it, and how much they Kind of understood and appreciated the work that had gone into it and obviously all the materials were there to read and so on so, so from our point of view it was great to get that response from people but i mean in terms of what else we did uh, which is what we would try and do for any group or maker that wanted to, that was able to exhibit or wanted to exhibit is that we tried to really promote it so, you know, we used all our social media uh, networks, our Facebook, Instagram. We made sure that um, Arts Council were aware of other promotional bodies, such as the Belfast and Belfast City Council, major they knew about it, they'd seen the film, We'd, they'd put the film on their websites too. So we can try and support, you know, in the promotions and the, and the cons around it as well. And we were also glad to be able to facilitate a, a maker talk from Rachel Colley, which I think added something to... The experience for the participants and for other people who are interested in contemporary jewellery in Northern Ireland to have her kind of going along with that I hope was a good, a good addition on the learning side of it. And then we did, well we just tried to make it look as good as possible, we did it nice as window vinyl, well, we loved it, I hope you liked it, and signage and so on. So Lotus so was very instrumental in the look of it and getting it up and making sure that you guys were all happy, but we were delighted with it. People were able to sell some work too, which is also a wonderful thing at the end of it all.
0: So for anyone interested in exhibiting at the gallery, could you share the process of how your exhibitions are planned and what a proposal for the space should consist of?
2: Great, well thanks for asking that question Robin because once COVID is over we will get some proper guidance up on our website because we do want to encourage people to plan, and give us proposals for exhibitions and we'll, we will have an online forum set up to do that but really what the quality group on the Craft and Board needs to see is a proposal with what the exhibition will consist of, what makers want to achieve, is there a theme, what is it? if there is a unifying theme what is it and then some information about either the makers who are going to be in it or if that hasn't been decided yet who is going to be doing the selection and perhaps I can help with the selection and the curating part if groups would like us to do that or if they want to come already selected, already curated, that's no problem but we would just need to know who's doing that. And with a bit of background information about, about those people the length of time the work's available how much work there is as you know our exhibition is small our space is small but beautifully formed it's got good window and good visibility and it's, it's in a good part of time but it's not massive so it's just to make sure this is actually is the right space for your work if you've got big pieces and many of them might not be us and we could try and help to get another venue, but because from our point of view, we want to be showing exhibitions in our space all the time and giving Northern Ireland makers an opportunity to show. But there's brilliant venues and galleries all over Northern Ireland and art centres and private um, galleries and so on. So you
3: know,
2: from our point of view, the more places that are showing good craft, better. And whatever we can do as an organisation to help that, we will really try. We would love to try and do. And so yeah, on the just back to the practical side, you know how much space you'll need, we can provide plinths and cases and so on up to a certain point hopefully we've, we've never run out yet if the work is for sale if it's selling exhibition some information on pricing and that sort of thing to have that worked out we will draft a contract and so on um, and we will do our best to promote any exhibitions in our space through all our home promotions our weekly newsletters our social media platforms and so on so yeah so I hope fingers crossed I'm sure everybody is hoping as desperately as we are that this is the year when people start to be able to show work again physically after such a difficult year last year but the more the merrier the sooner the better I think
1: you. With the uncertainty of COVID I'm sure it's drastically impacted the delivery of projects for the gallery but could you let us know what's ahead for the space regarding opportunities and events and how you've adapted during the pandemic? I mean you kind of touched on that before but if you could just yeah just let us know about what's coming up for Craft NI Gallery.
2: Well we're lucky to be able to show our first exhibition once we're open again we don't know when that'll be We think it's sort of early March. Fingers crossed, if all continues to go well, will be the degree show from the um, ceramics during silversmithing from 2020. So unfortunately, those guys didn't get to have their degree show. So we are delighted to help them. And the way that the Mac did with the fine art graduates, hopefully we can we will be open to do the same for the CSJ graduates in March. Fingers crossed if that all goes ahead. And then coming up after that, we have with Trish Belford to show a travelling version of her and Shafts linen exhibition based on a lot of research that she did with old linen designs. Really fascinating the sort of the, the process behind her just really bringing a whole new modern take on these very old linen patterns, very part of our own heritage here in Northern Ireland and so on. Then our launchpad participants will have an exhibition after that and then we have a few more coming up. A furniture one oh, was not totally crystallised yet but that we're going to have to do. That'll be later in the year. And the first time, uh well, certainly since I've been at craft and i we did an exhibition for August Craft Month, and I thought that was really successful. So I hope we do that again, or we hope certainly I hope by the time August comes around there's a lot of a like, lot of craft exhibitions happening wherever they are. But that's certainly a possibility. So, so at the minute, that's the sort of pipeline, and you know we're still working on kind of others. We have a few proposals then from traveling exhibitions. If we can, if our space is the right space, if not. You know elsewhere and again we'll be, we'll be once we get our new website coming soon launched we'll have uh, information on there about how to apply so we're just hopefully once we get permission to reopen again we'll get a schedule up but everything's just been shutted forwards really and you know we'll just keep going until you know just hanging on in there until we're allowed to get so we get to go ahead to reopen again so that's fingers crossed all going well that's something that like the, the schedule for the next year
1: Brilliant, that's really exciting. That's a lot to look forward to as well. So, Lotus, you have quite a unique perspective on this project as a jeweller, silversmith yourself, as well as gallery manager for Craft & I, founder of AJN and a participant maker in ACJ SNI 2. Your work features within the Pinned exhibition too. Could you share why an exhibition like Pinned is important for the craft and jewellery silversmithing sector and wider community?
4: Yeah, Gemma, well, I try not to be biased, you know, in the gallery, but because of my personal background, I definitely have a bit of a soft spot for jewellery. But I think the reason pinned is important, because I don't think we really get to see contemporary jewellery exhibitions here often enough. We have so many talented local jewellers, but we don't often get to see their exhibition work. You know, in the gallery, in the Craft and Eye Gallery, you have a really great selection of contemporary jewellers, more retail work but you know the exhibition pieces are one-off pieces and we don't really get to see that much and this is because it's it's more challenging i think to put on a jewelry exhibition you know the exhibitions that we've had over the past year just another kind of craft disciplines like ceramics or wall-based work or anything they tend to be a little bit easier to display you know with, with jewelry you're usually working with really small items so it's a bit more challenging with getting the right display cases making sure things don't get lost that you have the right props and lighting that's adjustable so you can pick up the small details and then in Insurance as well, you know, a lot of jewellery has precious metals and stones, so you need to be aware of the the risk surrounding that. So I think that makes it more difficult for contemporary jewellery exhibitions to find the right space that can accommodate all of those things. And to me, it just felt like a really long time since we've had a contemporary jewellery exhibition like this. You know, in the past, we've had some lovely contemporary jewellery exhibitions. I really love the ones like going way back that Sarah McAleer used to do in Gold Digger in Hollywood or our space in in Lisbon has had some brilliant contemporary jewellery exhibitions as well. But for us, you know, it wasn't since we... We used to be upstairs in the fighting centre, or spacecraft. We had some great group exhibitions. But yeah, I think PIN is really important because it, for me, it's, it feels like the first time that we've had a real good quality group exhibition from local jewellers. And even just in terms of promoting contemporary jewellery locally, because there's a great international platform for it, but we don't often get the chance to sort of showcase it here. You know, I think the ACJ group did a really fantastic job in bringing that together. You know, it was there were 51 brooches, I think, in the exhibition altogether. And I think if you look at them all, you know there's so much diversity not just in terms of like the materials and techniques that the jewellers use but in terms of how they're worn and how the brooches can be attached and I think that just shows some of the amazing creativity that we have you know they're really kind of thinking outside of the box and we don't often get to show that side of jewellery to the general public so yeah I think that's that's one of the reasons it's important to have exhibitions like that
1: and I love the accessibility of how the work was displayed in the exhibition too because whenever you, as a viewer, could see the pieces displayed in quite a functional manner, if that even makes sense for jewellery, on garments, which was just really quite refreshing and really lovely to see. I really enjoyed that. And it did remind me of those previous exhibitions. There was one from Rachel McKnight when she'd done the 50 rings exhibition. And I love that idea of just tasking makers with a theme like rings or brooches and just having their spin on it and just putting their own identity on that object and even questioning everything about it functionality and the tangibility of it as well
4: i love that ring exhibition that rachel did. it was brilliant and i think it's a really great example that when you kind of narrow the subject matter or like the brief to something like just brooches or just rings it really highlights the diversity and that's a really lovely way to kind of show how how special jewelry is in a way because there's so many different ways a jeweler can approach that one type of jewelry one type of brooch or ring and that really highlights the talent we have So with the insane
1: wealth of experience you possess, what was your role in developing the exhibition for the group, also being a gallery manager as well?
4: Well, I think my main role is to kind of do the practical things that everyone else doesn't want to do, like the boring things, like the admin side of gathering all the information from the makers, making sure we have everything that we need for social media and the website, kind of organising deliveries, making sure everything you know, is in place for the curators to come in and do the setup for the exhibition as well. You know, worked with Stuart Cairns and Saline Trainer who did the exhibition setup. So they were brilliant. Um, You know, they had a really strong vision, so it was quite easy to work with them. But just making sure that they had access to all the plants and, and things that we have in the gallery that they would need. And then, you know, with COVID-19, making sure that our risk assessment is up to date and, yeah, that we're just in terms of making sure we don't have too many people in the gallery, that we're sticking to our procedure for that and just being a go-between really between acj sni and and craft and i making sure all the makers are happy as well but the exhibition was quite special in, in the sense because i think there were so many things that came together really well you know we had simon mills coming in to do the photography and the filming and uh, there's quite a few makers involved in it as well and i'm really happy that we were able to sort of accommodate everyone <laughs> with all the restrictions that were in place as well thank you so much
1: catherine and loris this has been really lovely we are now going to hear from 10 makers who are exhibiting their work within the Pinned Exhibition from ACJSNI. They are Angela Davison, Heather McFadden, Jackie McMaster, Natasha Rowlandson, Lotus DeWitt, Nicola Moran, Robin Galway, Rosie Elwood, Sharon Adams and Tara Campbell.
5: My name is Angela Davison. I'm a gold and silversmith. I live and work in Hollywood, Northern Ireland reticulated oxidized sterling silver flowers centered by precious stones of emerald and ruby set in 9 carat gold. I have created two matching pieces with high contrast which stand alone or can work together. I have given my pieces the Italian names Nero, meaning black flower and Piccolo Nero, meaning small black flower because at the time of creating them I was reading the Sicilian, a book by Mario Puzo and was very absorbed by the Italian way of life and landscape. The bigger of my two pieces is a flower which consists of three round domed pieces soldered into each other. In the center is a gold setting which is an emerald gemstone. The flower is soldered onto a stem. The surface is purposefully uneven through a reticulation process. The stem holds the needle at the back of back in place. The smaller flower consists of two round domed pieces soldered into each other. In the middle sits also a gold setting which holds a ruby gemstone. This piece has a pin with a scroll at the back to enable it to be pierced into material and held in place. My brooches consist of oxidized reticulated sterling silver, nine carat gold, emerald and ruby. Some silver parts are polished. I was experimenting with reticulation, a process in which silver is heated until it nearly melts. The outcome is very unpredicted and no piece is the same. For this process, I used some domed sterling silver shapes. I liked the result and soldered them together to become flowers. At the time, I was deeply absorbed reading the Sicilian, after having read the novel Godfather by Mario Puzzo. Besides the lovely countryside, the people and the fantastic food of Italy, there is also the terrible side of the Mafia, which is described in the books. There are the women, Who lost their husbands and children whose fathers were killed by the mafia. My pieces are mourning brooches in memory of the victims of the Italian mafia. My two brooches can be worn together or as single pieces, probably rather on heavier material, a coat or a thick jumper as they are quite heavy pieces. The bigger one of my Fiore Nero brooches has a needle on the back which goes through the fabric and is held by a revolver safety catch. The small approach has a pin to go through the fabric and is fixed by a scroll.
3: My name is Helen McFadden and I work as a jeweller in my studio which is situated on the Isle of Magee Peninsula. In the pinned exhibition I am exhibiting three of my insect brooches which are handmade using sterling silver. Some of my insects are made to scale and others are larger than life. I have fitted my insects with hidden brooch pins so that they appear to alight on the wearer's clothing. A stag beetle brooch is to scale with its wings extending to an 8cm width. It is hand fabricated from sterling silver with an oxidised abdomen which is revealed underneath the hard outer wings. This is a large heavy piece suited to being worn on thicker fabrics such as jackets or coats. The praying mantis brooch is made from recycled sterling silver and titanium wire for the antennae. It too is hand fabricated with details etched onto its body. The tips of the legs and head are oxidised to give a black contrast to the polished silver. Although this is a large piece it is deceptively light and can easily be worn on lighter fabrics. I have made the tricondyla beetle about three times larger than life from recycled sterling silver. The body and limbs have been fully oxidised and burnished to give a black iridescent finish. I find insects, particularly beetles, an interesting subject for jewellery making. The lustrous exoskeleton and the fragile jointed limbs of many species make them fascinating to study and replicate in metal. Each of my insect brooches is fitted with a fine safety chain attached to one of their limbs. This detail, as well as acting as a safety measure, was inspired by controversial practice in parts of Mexico of living mokesh beetles being worn as brooches, with the insect being tethered to the wearer's clothing with a short length of chain to prevent the creature from crawling away. My brooches are fitted with a traditional revolver catch and hinge
6: pin. My name is Jackie McMaster, and I'm a jeweller working in Belfast. My piece in the pinned exhibition is called Montmartre. It's a brooch that is essentially a rectangular framed picture of Le Consul Café in Montmartre in Paris. And it's a cafe I went to several times whenever I was there on holiday a few years ago, and I have very fond memories of it. At nighttime, the streets reflect all the light and colors around, and the dome of Sacré-Cœur Cathedral rises up against the sky in the background. The brooch is about four by five centimeters in size, and it's made in a series of layers to give a sense of depth. Most of the metal used is sterling silver, the sky, the main row of buildings, and the frame. Some of it is polished silver, some of it's oxidized to black or gray, and the sky has a multicolored patina with shades of grays, gold, pinks, and blues. The building at the front of the picture is in copper, with silver details. And the interior lights in the central cafe are represented using 24 carat gold leaf. I've recently been experimenting making copper and silver metal alloy, similar to traditional Japanese Shibuichi. And I used this to make the cobbled street as it makes a lovely rainbow of colors when heated. The whole piece is sealed with a varnish to minimize any further color changes over time. And it should not require cleaning. This picture brooch is a change in direction for me, as I've been experimenting with new techniques and combining different areas of drawing, painting and crafts with traditional jewellery techniques. There is some traditional solder work in this piece, but as coloured elements can't be reheated, I've used rivets to assemble the jigsaw-like picture elements. The brooch is reasonably heavy, so it has a double stainless steel pin and catch on the back to hold it securely and it would look best on a medium to heavyweight fabric, like a sweater or coat.
7: My name is Natasha Rollinson. I'm a goldsmith based in Belfast, where I work from my studio at the foot of the cave hill. The brooch that I made for the pinned exhibition is called Orbital. It's a one of a kind piece and was hammered forged from a single cyclic length of silver to explore an appreciation for minimal simplicity and a subtle grounding nod to the bigger picture. The piece touches on ideas from my atomic and celestial collections regarding shape and form, geometry, symbolism and astronomy, but also cycles and the passing of time. The brooch is an open circular form and it measures roughly five centimetres across. It was forged to taper gently from the square wire at the hook catch to the back of the piece, wrapping around itself to create an open circle then circling around a white freshwater pearl, which is nestled to one side, bisecting the form, until it flows into round wire, fine enough for the pin, which reaches across the open shape to tuck into the catch. It's made from a length of polished sterling silver, which allows light and shadow to reflect off this mirror-finished orbit, and also contrasts with the iridescent surface of the pearl. The contrast between the two adds interest, The pearl is solid, spherical and organic. The brooch open, exploring shape through a considered controlled line. The pearl sits into the rounded spring of the catch and it's also pinned into place. It has been drilled through and then cold fixed to the frame with a silver pin which just looks like a little dot of silver from the front of the piece. When I was designing the piece, I looked first at brooches historically at traditional celtic brooches like the tara brooch and their fixings and mechanics these celtic brooches are known as penannular they have a ring to which a long pin is fixed but the pin can then move freely between two close together parts or terminals which allow the pin to pass through after it's gone through the fabric. I felt like modern clothing is often so fine that the weight and movement in creating something like this or based on this would likely damage or at least limit which items of clothing it could be worn on. So I also looked at fibula brooches, that is, brooches which are based on the safety pin principle. Popular with the Romans, but dating all the way back to the Bronze Age, which is pretty amazing, and I loved the idea of this enduring practicality. I've always loved fixings and how things work, and have previously developed a swivel-type pendant catch based on the idea of a spring or a keyring fob. My initial ideas considered a shape more similar to that of a safety pin, I really liked the contradiction in making a -a one-of-a-kind piece out of precious materials, which at first glance reminded you of something that's practically throwaway in today's culture. However, in the end, I was drawn, as I often am, to the pure form of a circle, and as I thought about the cyclic nature of this and the process of fluidity and change that's involved in the process of forging, I felt like it was a good fit. Hammer forging allows the piece to be light but strong, With this process, you work hard in the metal through hammering it as you go. And this also works really well to get the spring and the tension needed for a pin mechanism. Also, having a brooch be light yet springy and durable and strong just means that it's more practical for wearing, which was another thing that I felt was important. I liked the minimal simplicity of this piece and that it's modern and contemporary, wearable and practical, with a strong link to relics and history, but also that it holds greater meaning in a subtle way, and as such, can be interpreted in a number of ways by its wearer. The changing properties of metal will always interest me, the changes you take it through in stages of working it, and the time involved to get there. Forging becomes quite an intuitive process, at its essence, it's so simple and a process who knows how many thousands of years old. Another of the reasons I love jewellery is the duality of form and function required to create wearable pieces. I'm always interested in function and purpose as well as form within my work and over the years have found great inspiration in architecture, Bauhaus, De steel, and the Vienna successionists. My dad actually lives in Vienna so I was able to visit some amazing exhibitions which were on around the time I was in art college and I definitely think the phrase form follows function has had a visible and lasting impact on my work. I saw the exhibition as a lovely opportunity to continue to develop ideas from existing collections and designs through the medium of a -a one-of-a-kind piece. I felt like a brooch was the perfect way to do this as it's the most canvas or art-like of the jewellery items and I feel like it's actually a very pure way to make an artistic statement. I love brooches and I definitely hope they get another mainstream moment in fashion. My brooch uses a safety pin type fixing based on fibular brooches the pearl sits into the round spring part which serves to hide this allowing the design to look cleaner and more modern i think as you don't instantly see where the spring is coming from the pin has been forged and tapered into a fine springy length which intersects the piece and tucks in underneath the catch at the opposite side this means that when it's worn against fabric all you will see is the pearl in a silver orbit
4: My name is Lotus Stavit. I'm based in Belfast. The title of my brooch is Boundary. During the COVID-19 lockdowns, I created a series of drawings based on our daily walks, depicting abstract maps of our restricted geographical radius. The brooch I made for the exhibition is a three-dimensional version of a boundary line drawing. A carved line filled with 24 card gold leaf represents the boundary. The brooch is made of wood and is oval in shape. The front is carved to create a shallow concave center Set within this are a small cluster of oxidised silver balls, some of which are decorated with gold leaf. The brooch has a line carved through which is filled with gold leaf. Outside of this line the wood is painted black. The back of the brooch is flat with a silver brooch backfitting set into the wood. The materials in this piece include recycled wood, sterling silver, surgical steel, gold leaf and paint. The idea of boundaries has been in the forefront of my mind this year. The physical restrictions imposed on us by the global pandemic and the effect this has on our personal boundaries we've all become acutely aware of the personal space between us and other people the idea of setting healthy boundaries in my personal life has also taken a whole new meaning working from home and finding a balance between staying informed and becoming overwhelmed has meant i have set myself a number of new boundaries in an attempt to keep myself sane the exhibition title Pinned can be interpreted in many different ways, but the first thing that came to mind for me was the idea of being pinned down, relating back to our current situation of not having the freedom to travel or move freely. The brooch back consists of a double pin made from surgical steel wire, fixed with silver fittings. The design enables the
8: piece to be secure and not twist or turn when worn. My name is Nicola Morin. I am a multidisciplinary artist, so my background is in jewellery. But then I decided to run away with the circus, as you do, and I now work as an aerialist contortion performer and jeweller. My jewellery workshop is based in the Irish Design Shop in Dublin, so I work at it there. For this, the title of my brooch is Sensory Perception, and this is perception of found objects. It's very much inspired by the land and the materiality of fragments that surround me. The meaning of the work is to function in the senses, artifacts of aesthetic perception. I don't really design a piece as such. I usually just work in an intuitive way with the materials, which is just basically playing, seeing what works. The piece is quite primitive. So the processes are riveting or tying. I use a piece that I collected in the jungle in Costa Rica. So it's wooden and I'm not quite entirely sure what it is, but I liked the shape of it and I wanted to use it in this brooch. I have some silver wire that makes the fasten. So it goes through the top of the wooden piece. It's like a U shape, an upside down U shape. And from the wooden piece, I have pearls cascading out of it. I like to work quickly when making. It's usually because it takes me so long to decide on the material selection. So the techniques are simple. From soldering, riveting, tying, usually depends on the material that I use. And I like this. It helps me keep my concentration. It proposes new challenges and resolution. The exhibition was a great opportunity for me to reconnect with makers that I've known in the past and new makers. It also was a chance for me to revisit the way that I used to make with the materials that I collected. Getting back into that cognitive flow which like any other muscle if you haven't used it in a while it's quite difficult but I missed it and changing my brain up again going from a circus artist back to a maker it was really nourishing. The brooch has an upside down u-shape fasten. You can place this in sideways through the garment and the fabric just follows the shape. From the silver u-shape there's the wooden piece, the found piece and then from that the pearls cascade out of it and down the body.
0: My name is Robin Galway and I'm a jewellery artist based in Belfast. Title of my brooch is the curation brooch and my artist's description is that objects become jewellery through interaction and brooches make social statements. Designed to be created in a variety of ways, this brooch kit acts as a proxy for emotion and communication that are currently stifled at a time of social distancing and mask wearing. What do you feel like saying? This piece comes apart into six different sections. It has a standard long silver pin in the back, finished with a silver bullet end cap. The long pin has a screw thread in the section that does not go through the fabric. This connects all of the elements together. From the front it consists of multiple layers that can be changed and curated, starting with an organic form which holds the sculpture together. Behind that is a magenta teardrop shaped with a cream semicircle at the top. This is sitting in front of a silver rectangle which has scattered engraved dots on one side and etched lines on the other side. Concealed behind this is an oxidised curved sheet of silver which hides four interchangeable coloured teardrops. And at the very back of the brooch that connects to the pin attachment is a large reversible circle with a textural flocked blue vinyl on the front and a turquoise purple holographic plastic on the other side. This brooch consists of vinyl, flock, sterling silver, oxide, holographic plastic, acrylic and gel polish. My inspiration came from the book To the Point by Daniela Malev. In this book Malev discusses the history and functionality of the brooch. Elements that really struck a chord with me were the need for material to allow the brooch to function unlike other jewellery items that relied solely on the body. I also liked that the brooch could be used to project something to society and the back was like a secret only known to the wearer. I used all of these elements as a starting point for creating my piece, making the work during Covid fed into the brooch's sort of development. The idea that a brooch could relay something that I couldn't when out in public, so for example I would frequently smile at people when I walk past, but masks block that social gesture so I wanted to use the brooch to sort of signal that I was an approachable person and to put other people at ease, or at least you know, make them think what an unusual way to dress or what an old brooch. and um, Something to kind of distract from the strange reality that we're living in at the minute. Being stuck at home, uh, many people have started new hobbies and craft activities. This uh, sort of idea inspired me to create kind of almost like a kit, a brooch that you could play with and assemble. Growing up in the 90s, I loved mood rings and the idea that jewellery could tell you how someone was feeling. This was the reason for the colour teardrops, which, by the way, were actually reusable nail polish samples. So while making the work, I came across certain difficulties that I'd had to problem solve my way through. An example of this was to try and get the brooch to balance and not flip from side to side. This led to the screw thread idea so that the wearer can assemble and curate the brooch in at least three different variations. Or at least that's as many as I as many combinations as I could make from all the elements. But it also meant the wearer could secure them in place and there shouldn't be an uneven weight distribution because they're held so tightly. Exhibition title was very open. I'd gone through initial concepts of being pinned into a situation or being pinned down by a stereotype, but I just couldn't quite articulate it through my designs thoroughly enough. As I mentioned previously, pins bring fabric together and this idea of togetherness, it was really strong throughout the exhibition. Connecting makers, bringing together talent and experiences into works of wearable art. For me, that's what really shone through. The brooch is a very simple attachment, a long silver pin at the back, which glides through the material and has a silver bullet-shaped catch at the end. This secures the pin in place, a bit of rubber that sits inside it. The pin turns into a screw thread which secures everything in place, making the wearer and garment crucial to the brooch's form.
9: My name is Razie Elwood. I'm a jeweller and I'm based in Durham, England. I'm an alumni from Ulster University and I graduated in 2019 with a BA in ceramics, jewellery, and silver knitting. The title of the three brooches I submitted for pinned exhibition are Sweet Tooth, Reflections Number no. One, and Made in Northern Ireland. Each brooch is a reworking of a vintage tin. The brooches are a celebration of colour and material. The brooches explore the beauty that is acquired through handling over time. Once forgotten, these tins can now live pinned proudly to a person. The first brooch is Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth is made from the lid of a small rectangular toffee tin. The tin itself could be held comfortably in the hand. The name Sweet Tooth was inspired by the previous life of the tin. The tin lid is a royal blue and silver in colour. It also shows signs of wear and tear, scratches and dark marks. All these characteristics are valuable to the overall aesthetic of the piece. This is due to the way it hints to the previous life of the tin that remains a mystery to us now. In the lid, the words Farah's original Harrogate Toffee have been pressed into the metal, as well as a printed signature from Mr John Farah himself. So if you run your fingers over the tin, it is possible to feel the indents and raised outlines of the individual letters and detailing. To the tin lid, I have added a scattering of different sized pearls in silver and grey across two thirds of the tin using silk and cotton thread to secure the pearls to the tin. These pearls add height and bumpy texture to the surface of the brooch. This was to bring to mind three things, teeth, treats and a little bit of luxury. On the reverse of the brooch, it is possible to see and feel the journey of the embroidery thread that secures the pearls to the front of the brooch. The second brooch is reflections number one. This brooch is comprised of two parts. The first is made using the base of Sweet Tooth and the second uses part of the base of Made in Northern Ireland. The base of Sweet Tooth is rectangular, silver in colouring with black marks that have occurred through use. It has a slightly textured feel to touch. This creates a lovely contrast with the second component. The second part of this brooch, Reflections Number 1, is a circular disc cut from the base of Made in Northern Ireland. This is brassy in colour. It also features blackened scratch marks, although the surface remains smooth to touch. The disc is fixed slightly off the centre of the rectangle. Both surfaces reflect a distorted and blurred light, or images. The back of the brooch is very shiny due to it being the inside of the tin. It has been preserved well over time. So therefore, it is possible to see a clear reflection in that surface area. The final brooch is made in Northern Ireland. This is a personal favourite of mine due to the vibrancy of the colour and added detail on the tin. The tin lid is circular yellow and orange and red in shade. It is from a pipe tobacco company, originally made in Northern Ireland by Murray Sons and Company. This was a lovely design feature that I discovered after purchasing the tin. The main colour of the tin Lid is yellow with detailing and writing indicating the tin's purpose and origin. The detailing is either printed in red or the red is used to block out and outline the yellow. The pearls and crystals alternate the entire circumference of the tin. I chose to embroider the gemstones this way so to bring to mind traditional brooches that are often circular or oval in shape. So it has a halo of gemstones encircling the centre focus. The touch made in Northern Ireland is smooth with the main texture variation coming from the addition of pearls and crystals. A lovely little detail worth mentioning is that the crystals are uniform in shape and the pearls are not. This creates a physical distinction between the two when touching the piece. The materials I used in the making of the brooches are as follows. Vintage tins in various colours, freshwater cultured pearls in various sizes and colours, Swarovski crystals, silk and cotton thread. And sterling silver. The inspiration for this work came from the tins themselves in combination with a proposal outlined by the ACJSNI for the exhibition pinned. I wished to create a selection of work that could be worn. I was especially interested in working with a material I hadn't previously, which ended up being the tin. I was particularly drawn to the colour, the texture and the marks that the tins had acquired through handling over time. I felt that the tins held potential for creating multi-layered art jewellery pieces That employed light-hearted narrative that referenced the history of the tin i think for me the meaning of this exhibition was a wonderful opportunity to pin attention onto several very ordinary and yet very beautiful objects it was fun to unpick the original function of these tins storing toffee and tobacco then reassemble them into objects that still maintain a function just a function that is entirely different from their origin. The brooches are designed to be worn with a scarf or a knitted or woven garment. The brooches have a fixed, simple pin inspired by a traditional brooch back.
10: My name is Sharon Adams. I'm an applied artist based at Frost's Yard near Ballamina. My three landscape brooches are part of an ongoing exploration of the area that sits within the horizon surrounding my home and studio. The unique form of each piece derives from drawings of the hills and hedges as they drape over the soft curves of the County Antrim countryside. Each brooch is an irregular, open form made from wire. The line of the silver twists and loops round in three dimensions, and it joins back end to end to make a continuous line. The surface is irregular, changes from being round in places to others where it's been hammered out to shape the curves. The lines of the wire cast a cluster of shadow onto the surface it's attached to, And somebody recently said they reminded her of the trace left behind when you draw in the air with a sparkler. They're made of sterling silver. Uh, Hallmark's at the London Assay Office. They're about seven... Well, they're they're different sizes. So they range from seven to 12 centimetres long. They're four or five centimetres wide and each one sits between four and six centimetres upwards. So they're very much three-dimensional. They attach onto a garment with a double pin made of fine steel That runs across the back and then it fastens into two small silver hooks on the opposite side. For the exhibition they're presented on a black linen jacket. One is pinned near the right lapel as you look at them and then there are two over on the left. I made um, some black linen packaging for them and that would allow each one to act maybe as a little dressing table sculpture when it's not being worn or it can be tucked away. Normally I work in uh, mostly wood and metal and at quite different scales and the main theme of my practice is exploring my relationship to place. Earlier work was in the form of functionless tools and currently I've been really more engaged with the physicality of the landscape itself. I live in the valley of the River Main, which is a wide open landscape of fields and hills that rises up towards the Garan Plateau in the east and the Long Mountain over in the west. It's the place that I grew up and which I came back to in 2012 after being away for 25 years and I'm still very much getting used to being here and processing differences between rural and urban realities. I found boundaries really useful creatively because I make myself stay with the materials and the ideas that I've agreed upon with myself and go deeper to explore the possibilities. Uh, last year I started working on a body of research that explores this area of countryside that I can see from my home. so. That starts by making gestural drawings, sweeping charcoal lines and, and monoprints sometimes, in which I try to capture the feeling of the place in an abstract way. And then from those lines in the drawings, I've been making 3D sculptural forms, starting with small handheld maquettes in wire and some larger ones in wood and steel. I'd never made any wearable pieces before, but the concept of penned really appealed to me. And I realised that the wire maquettes I was working on could be made in precious metal and presented as jewellery. So the landscape brooches were made by selecting shapes and gestures from the lines in the drawings and then forming the wire to recreate that in three dimensions. The first of the test pieces were made from copper and then each of these final pieces is a one-off intuitive response to a selected part of a bigger drawing. The wire's heated to anneal it so it's soft enough to bend and then hammered over a former to create the curves and lines. I use old farm tools as formers and hammers. I have a a, a ball hitch, uh, there's a big old bolt, bits of hinges and and lengths of pipe. They're all worn and have a bit of surface rust and that creates an uneven texture onto the surface of the silver that I work with them. And because that wear happened here where I live, it's also part of that landscape that I'm responding to. So for me, the theme of Pinned was on one level, just an, an invitation, a simple invitation to create wearable work. It's something I've been thinking about for years and never quite got round to doing. Uh, back in January this year, I exhibited my first freestanding sculpture and I just this month got some Arts Council Northern Ireland funding to support more larger scale work. So without pins, the opportunity to explore wearable work might have been missed altogether. This year obviously has has really deepened my relationship to this place while I've been pinned to the spot. Apart from shopping for groceries and essentials, I think I've only left here about half a dozen times since March. Living in the countryside with my studio at home, I've been able to work whenever I wanted to or not work when I didn't want to. I've walked my dog and and I've seen the seasons changing the hedges and, and watching the phases of the moon and the changes in the sky. Particularly noticeable when the planes stopped, the air quality really changed. And on a clear day, I can now see more distance and detail in this landscape, especially during that early spring weather. It was almost like the 70s. There were just cows and tractors and this amazing visibility. I don't really want that to change. So for me, ironically, I've found a kind of freedom in not going off to meetings and spending half the day in the car. I miss seeing people, obviously, But part of the reason I came back here was to live more deeply connected to one place. So that part of this year has actually worked quite well for me. So within these defined boundaries, Pinned offered layers of meaning and scale and materials. And that's been a really interesting exploration for me. It sparked a lot of possibilities. And I even have some more brooches on the bench at the
11: minute. My name's Tara Campbell. I'm an artist and... Jewellery maker with a small business called made by Tara. I'm based in Lisburn. The title of my brooches were Emerald, Turquoise and Deconstructed. These pins were an investigation into the preciousness of the materials I used. I used different marks and finishes and material combinations in each pin intentionally as a way of visually adding or stripping away precious sentiment. These main elements are mounted on a traditional long pin then, ...as a way of celebrating all the materials as equally beautiful, precious and worthy of being a piece of jewellery. Visually, the three pins, they're like three small silver bowls. They're no bigger than 20mm with a white inner finish um, mounted onto a long pin. And uh, the first one, emerald. And the rim of the bowl has like a high polish finish. Then there's a perfect like little ball of 18 karat gold and... Inside that is crushed emerald and then around the outside is oxidized iron sprinkled on the inside of the bowl. I use these like polished finishes as a way of showing to the viewer that these are precious uh, materials and I treated them precious for this pin. And then the second pin, turquoise, uh, the bowl on it has a tattered and scraped finish. The centre of it has like an organically shaped mass of copper, which is kept in its pink form, it's not oxidised. And then uh, the inside of that is crushed turquoise. And around the outside of that then is oxidised copper sprinkled. And I went for that sort of tattered look as a way of showing non-precious material. The third pin then, deconstructed, its bowl looks as though it's just crumbling down onto the pin. With granules of all the materials used in the previous pens, so like 18 car gold, copper, then there's oxidized iron, oxidized copper, crushed turquoise and emerald. And it just looks as though this bowl is just crumbling and falling down onto the pin. Yeah, my inspiration for this, it came from, well it started in uni. I just have a love for the science behind how minerals gain their natural colours um, free impurities. And these impurities are usually things like metals. And I just think that's totally fascinating. As I said, I started this journey um, and research in uni with my degree work at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I was making my own man at minerals and I discovered that this is how minerals gained their color and I started doing this myself with other things like jasmonite and stuff. But it just blew my mind how turquoise gained its colour from copper. I mean, I'm no jamal at it just by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a great interest in the topic. I really do love it. And I find it quite funny how people value a piece of jewellery with turquoise in it, but if it was, like, oxidised copper, for example, it can almost be seen as a downgrade in the piece's preciousness. Whenever it's that exact material that um uh, marveled them with the turquoise color in the first place okay yes there are of course differences but i just found this a really interesting point to highlight it's the same with the emerald it's actually uh chromium or vanadium if i pronounce that correctly which make it green but uh they aren't too easy to get in their rare form but you can get traces of iron in emerald which makes it more of a bluish green uh which is why i opted for the iron um I had it there, so... uh, My attempt with the final brooch then was just to totally tear down and deconstruct this precious hierarchy we seem to have of materials but just having them all side by side, none treated more precious than the other, looking as though they're just being dug up and shoved into an old bowl, meaning whoever sees it then can just appreciate each element equally and how they are in their raw, raw form. I had been dying to jump back into these concepts and ideas I was thinking about in uni. Not only that, but I noticed a level of resistance in some people uh, when it came to purchasing pieces that contained these different oxidized metal powders and um, copper and things like that. So I decided to use the exhibition title as a means of using a brooch, which in my mind, people would often first think of as quite traditional or high jewelry so I decided to use this idea to celebrate all these materials as both precious and non-precious alike and the brooches they can be worn whatever way you like to be honest the attachment's very simple it can be pinned to secure scarf it can be used to adorn a coat or anything like that Uh, it's quite a simple closure you just pin it through and then it has like a little end on it with a piece of rubber that seals it. Uh, sterling silver. Yeah, you could uh, wear all the pieces together. Uh, which actually would be really lovely. Um, all in a row. Or you could just wear each on their own. They're just as nice. Uh, either way. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity.
1: A huge thank you to ACJ SNI for the opportunity of this collaboration. We've both, Robin and I, had a fantastic time working together with such a range of wonderful makers. We would also like to thank the Arts Council of Northern Ireland who has funded ACJ SNI which has went towards the production of this exhibition and these collaboration episodes.